It is Monday, August 8th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaap. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And our Team Insider Series rolls on now with a look at the New York Giants. Delivering his insights today is host of the Big Blue Banter podcast, as well as a CBS fantasy editor, Dan Schneier. Dan, thanks for joining us. Hey guys, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. I love talking. I love talking Giants and fantasy football. Whenever I get a chance to do both, it's great. And I love the New York accent because my dad grew up in Long Island. So it's <laughs> it's familiar and comfy to me. And I know since you're a fantasy guy, you'll not just be telling us the football stuff. You'll know how it pertains to what we're looking for. Perfect. So let's start out with the broader question. What are the biggest differences that you're seeing so far between the Jason Garrett offense, try not to fall asleep, and the new (laughs) offense under Brian Dable? Dable, Is it Dable or Dabble, by the way? Uh, I have issues with this myself. It's definitely (laughs) Day is how you pronounce the first part. I think it's Day Bill, and I think I call him Day Bull. Or Dave Ball. I, I just call him Dabes because it's so I, people are getting on us for the podcast. I just said Dabes. That's the way around it. So how's his offense look versus last year's? So it's really interesting you guys asked this because I've never seen in my years of studying NFL, this team specifically, or really any team, a night and day change from a schematic standpoint that we're getting from Jason Garrett to Dabes. I mean, it's hard to even put into words similarities because there's so few. For starters, Jason Garrett's offense was incredibly rigid when it comes to the routes that the wide receivers ran. So they didn't have any choice routes. They didn't have any option routes. They had very, they had to be at a certain point, a certain place at a certain time on every single route, total opposite. So far we've seen with Kafka and Dable. I mean, there's a ton of choice routes and a ton of option routes and the quarterback and the receiver have to be on the same page at all times. Very similar to the Kevin Gilbride offense that the giants used to run with Eli Manning. Um, So total flexibility when it comes to that. And then the biggest difference in, in addition to that is they're using a ton of pre-snap motion, something they didn't do a lot with Jason Garrett. They're using a ton of different pl- uh, plays where they have, you know, multiple guys in the backfield like Tony and Wandell Robinson or Barkley and Wandell Robinson. They're also lining up Saquon Barkley as a receiver, both slot and as a boundary receiver more often than they ever did with Jason Garrett. So a ton of pre-snap motion, a ton of uh, different uh, usages for the running backs, a ton of different backfield mates. And then also in addition to that more tempo on offense and, Overall, if you're just looking at it from a basic standpoint, they're using a lot more spread than they ever have. Under Jason Garrett, it was a lot of 12 personnel. They even used a weird amount of 13 personnel, considering they didn't really have guys to run 13 (laughs) personnel, but they tried it. It was part of his way of life. And now it's just a ton of 11 personnel, even some 10 personnel we're seeing with different looks uh, using all three, you know, all four of their playmakers on offense. So it's going to be a completely different look for the Giants. And of course, 13 personnel for anybody unfamiliar is extra tight ends, right? Yep, exactly. (laughs) That just like that alone, the fact that you even bring that up (laughs) talks about how, I don't know, old Jason Garrett is. And he like, there are so many older coaches age wise, but he's just like an old person in the way he looks <laughs> the offense. It can work at times. I mean, like Kevin Skafanski does a good job. If you have the right personnel, it's not the worst thing in the world. The Giants cer- certainly didn't have the personnel for it. <laughs> That's for sure. So how is Daniel Jones doing so far with it? Obviously, we've all now watched the clip of him sailing that ball away from Kenny Galladay uh, 27 <laughs> times in a, you know, inter-squad scrimmage. Overall, how is he looking with the new offense? Yeah, unfortunately, it hasn't been great for Daniel Jones with this new offense. There's a big learning curve for him in addition to learning a new offense for the fourth time in four years. It's also a learning curve for him because 
or actually, I guess you say third time in four years. It's also a learn fourth time in fifth years dating back to college. It's also a learning curve for him because of these option routes, because of these choice routes. He hasn't operated an offense like this. And there's been some timing issues with the receivers. There's been some communication issues with receivers, specifically Kadarius Tony, who is a lot of a player. A lot of us are excited about from a talent standpoint and from an upside standpoint, but is taking a longer time than the rest of this group to learn this offense because it it's in, in general, he was more of a gadget receiver at Florida too. So he generally has to, uh, progress as a receiver in any offense, but in this offense specifically, it's been harder for him. Jones, for me, from what I've seen, in addition to struggling to kind of get on the same page as receivers, something's up with the velocity in his throws. And the ball placement has been something that's been waning for him since his rookie season. Last year, I believe he was, according to Pro Football Focus, 34th among all quarterbacks on ball placement from the one to seven yard range. The short and intermediate area of the field has been bad for him from a ball placement standpoint. It seems to be only getting worse. The velocity is, is a weird thing. I think it, I put out on Twitter today. I, I have no connection to this. I have no basis in this. It's just speculation. So let me make that clear guys. But I put on Twitter today. I wonder if it has to do with the neck injury he suffered last year. We didn't really get many details on that. It was a season ender. I don't think he had surgery on it from what I know or any kind of major surgery on it, but we've seen at times in the past, other quarterbacks have their velocity wane after a major neck injury. So I wonder if that's the case, but very alarming stuff so far with Daniel Jones for me on my end so far in training camp. That's, that's kind of a buzzkill. Do you, do you think, um, I know, unfortunately. I mean, I mean, what are the, like, like how safe is he in that starting job? You know, how, how big of a threat is, is Tyrod Taylor? How, how bad would Jones need to be? That's a great question, too, because I think, you know, going into the preseason, going into training camp, I should say, we all expected this to be Daniel Jones' job no matter what. There hasn't been a competition. Today was the first day ever that Tyrod Taylor got a first-team rep with the first-team offense, and it was only after a really bad play by Jones, Dave's pulled him and put Jones right back in after that. Everything that goes from the top down with John Mara, the owner who loves Daniel Jones, and, you know, just with the idea that, look, if you're going to play Tyrod Taylor doesn't really offer you anything long-term as a franchise. There's no ceiling behind him as a quarterback. There's no right. way he's going to be the long-term star. So Jones will definitely start week one. Jones will probably have a longer leash than he should for the, what he puts on the field from a reduction standpoint and on film. But I don't think that it's going to be a scenario. And, and this is a good debate because I think ultimately they should keep him in just because I don't really care about having Tyrod Taylor out there. What's that going to yeah. do even right. in the short term? But, that's not how it's going to go with this staff. I don't think I really think if he's really performing at such on such a, if he's as bad as it could be, or as it's looked at times so far in camp, it's every NFL coach's you know, duty to put in the best player. That's not how they, they don't look at this long-term they're looking at it. They want to win games. Now they're not worried about draft picks. So I think there's a decent chance that we're going to see Tyrod. I mean, that'd be a good chance anyway, right guys, because Jones has been injured every year of his career. Yeah. So there was a chance regardless, but based on performance, I think there is a good chance. We'll see it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk Saquon Barkley. You mentioned the different ways that Dable's been using him. We like to hear that. I want to know, though, you know, how close to, like, you know, pre-injury form does Barkley look for you? Or at least, you know, pre-ACL tear. How close to that guy does he look to you in, in camp so far? Yeah, this is why I wish uh, – I. I, for your sake, I hope all of my home league friends listen to this, but I'm really hoping they don't <laughs> deep down because yeah. Saquon Barkley is the one. I was very excited about Darius Tonio's ADP earlier, but the Jones thing is hurting me. And I was also excited about Jones as ADP in two QB yep. leagues, super flex, but the Jones thing's holding me back. But 
Saquon Barkley, I'm all in on. Personally, I think he should be a back-end first-round pick or the first pick of the second round. He used to be a third-round pick. Now he's going mid-second. It's starting to rise. His burst is back. He looks like his old self. But for me, the more important thing here is two, two things with Saquon Barkley. One is usage. He's being featured in the passing game like he never has before. That means, like we talked about earlier, lining up in different ways. That means getting quick hitters. And this entire passing game, to me, looks like it's just going to be a quick-hitting game. That's all they can really do, in my opinion. The pass protection is still a long ways away Evan Neal is going to be a great player for the Giants in my opinion at some point he might not be a great pass protector in year one and they have issues at left guard and center in that regard as well but the second reason I'm excited about Barkley in addition to his usage in the passing game and his overall usage is that the run blocking has looked better than I've seen it in maybe a decade and truly mean that and Evan Neal while I think it could take him time as a pass blocker he's been awesome as a run blocker Mark Lewinsky underrated piece of that Colts dominant run blocking unit last year. He comes in those two guys on the right side is nothing like they had last year. And even a guy like Shane Lemieux who's coming back at left guard and John Feliciano, these guys are not as good in pass protection, but they are good run blockers. And Andrew Thomas, you know, the progression there speaks for itself. So they have a really good chance to be a good run team, run blocking team. And I think ultimately early on with Daniel Jones and really maybe even Tyrod Taylor, they're going to try to win football games behind defense in the run game. I know it's not it's not music to everyone's ears who looks at, you know, where I'm not a believer too much in the run game as, as far as a ceiling solution. But as far as what they have to work with that quarterback right now, that's what it's going to be. And so I love Saquon Barkley here this year in fantasy. If, we G- love if Daniel that. Jones is killing the buzz, then Saquon Barkley is <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You guys got me on the worst day too. This was literally like the worst back to back for Jones. He had a horrific practice today. This is Monday we're recording, and then on Friday was the scrimmage, and he was. I've never seen him look worse. So it's just a bad time for for Jones. Time for some wildcat. Yes. <laughs> Tony we'll can throw the back. ball. Tony might have more arm talent than Jones at this point. <laughs> oh man, we're, we're gonna clip that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's talk the wide receivers. We talked a bit about him already. You said Tony. You know, after, that's funny you mentioned that about Tony because he seems like he'd be a good fit in this type of offense that gives the receivers yes. more flexibility, more option stuff. Like, I feel like that's kind of player he is. But, I mean, do you think this is a short-term issue with Tony? He'll get there. And then, you know, how, how are Galladay and Wondell Robinson looking at this offense? I'm assuming those guys are locked in as the top three. Yeah, short-term issue for sure with Tony. He's going to get there. The talent is certainly there, and he's made incredible plays on the ball with the opportunities when they're on the same page. I also think if they do turn to Tyrod, I hate to say this live. Giants fans are going to kill me for this, but I do think the overall offense will be better, including the passing game at this stage. I'm hoping I can change my mind on that with Jones, but it's not feeling great. Um, So it's super hard for me to get that excited about these receivers with Jones at quarterback. I'm just such a believer from my evaluation process in the NFL level over the years I've been doing this, that quarterback is like 83 at least percent of everything in a passing yeah. game. Unfortunately, uh, that's why it's so hard to, to get good passing games in the NFL because there's so few good quarterbacks. But as far as the, how it, the, how it's looking right now, I'm high on Tony or higher on Tony and Robinson and eventually Shepard than Kenny Galladay. I think right now, Kenny Galladay is a total fade and I hate to say that, but right now this specific offense and this specific quarterback just doesn't fit his skill set at all. And I'll be quite honest, he has not looked good in training camp at all from a separation standpoint. I actually spoke with someone who did, I spoke with a friend whose sister did the surgery on Kenny Galladay last year before they signed him the hip surgery. She said, based on the ex, based on what she's seen, he'll that hip will never be the same. And to me, from what I've seen, he's not creating separation like he did in the on the film I watched of him in Detroit. Right now, he's really only cre- creating separation on inbreakers. That's not a good sign at all. So I'm fading Kenny Galladay for sure. I really like Robinson as a late round dart throw. And eventually Kadarius Tony will be the one in this offense. 
Does Galladay just seem like a bad fit in this offense? Bad fit in this offense, but I also just I'm not sure he's ever going to yeah. be the same player. Got it. Is is there anyone who could like threaten his job? I mean, it doesn't seem like they're no. high on slate. You know? He's paid too. He's paid way too much. Yeah. He'll be, he'll be playing every snap, but I just don't feel like the the target volume is going to be there or the production. You Got said it. eventually Sterling Shepard. Do you think that he's going to be back close enough at some point this season? Yes, I do. Sterling Shepard already running at camp. To me, it looks like they're just taking this cautiously. I mean, the injury was recent. I think it'll probably be no sooner than week six. But I don't know, man. These guys are making such crazy recoveries now. Once he's yeah. in, you have to remember, if Daniel Jones is the quarterback, nobody like the target numbers with Jones and Shepard, if you look at the per game target, they're wild. Like he just looks at Shepard every single play. He knows, and that could ultimately be Tony or Wandell. Maybe it's possible. But I think that if Shepard's back, yeah. it's going to cause a log jam there. You think Shepard would probably threaten Wendell Robinson's role the most? Yes, 100%. Though Robinson will get snaps in the backfield on weird plays, but overall, as far as just total uh, volume, yes. Got it. Perfect. Well, I think that's enough of talking about a Giants offense that's (laughs) ultimately probably going to let us down for the most part. So let's turn to the defensive side. And first of all, does Blake Martinez look like he's all the way back from the ACL tear at the start of last year? No, not fully back. Blake Martinez is getting a lot of rest days. Blake Martinez is getting a lot of those veteran type days, but he did have a practice yesterday on Sunday. That was like the old school Blake Martinez. He played all the reps, looked fresh out there. He's a smart, savvy player, and this is probably going to be a good defensive fit for him just because there's so many bodies screaming down on, downhill at the line of scrimmage at all times with Wink Martindale. So he's getting there, but he's not fully there. Mm-hmm. Is there any challenger to Tay Crowder for that other off-ball linebacker spot next to him? <laughs> there should be, because I think Tay Crowder is one of the worst starting linebackers in the NFL on film. But right now, there hasn't been. It's been yeah. Tay's job, and that's a bit surprising to me with the new coaching staff. But ultimately, they just don't really have that much talented depth behind them. There's some interesting things. Darian Beavers, the rookie, starting to work in a little bit with the inside group. But... And I, I love Micah McFadden for that job, the, the rookie out of Indiana. But it seems like the, it's a little too much for him right now. Yeah, I was going to say they have some intriguing athleticism in guys that they drafted at linebacker, but it doesn't seem like they're probably ready to compete. Yeah, you're right. So the the last thing at safety, is it set as Xavier McKinney and Julian Love, the two main guys? Yes, but they're also running a lot of three safety looks. That's a staple in Wink Martindale's defense. And actually, Yusuf Corker, the undrafted free agent out of Kentucky, is starting to work his way into the first team defense in that role. But yes, as far as base defense goes, it will be those two. But it's going to be a different, a totally different role for Xavier McKinney this year. He's going back to his Alabama roots. If you remember back during his time with Bama, he played basically a full third of his snaps in the box, a full third of his snaps lined up over the tight end or the slot, and then a third in the deep half. Last year, he was mostly a deep half ball hawk for the Giants. It's going back to those Bama ways, so he's going to be used completely different. More around the line of scrimmage, which should be more tackles for him. Yeah, to me, he's pretty easily the most enticing IDP guy on that defense right now. Without a doubt. Though, look, Kayvon Thibodeau, man, he looks freaking awesome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah do you want to talk just a little bit about him i mean the just the way the most scoring works in idp leagues it yeah it that's the upside but he certainly looks like a thrilling player yeah i i was going to say that next like it is oh upside is always capped for his position but as far as what he can do in year one i think the sky's the limit he's been an absolute freak in camp so far hilarious to me that there were concerns about his work ethic that's been <laughs> totally debunked in camp he's been working hard every day hasn't missed a practice giving fits to both evan neal and andrew thomas and no one but thibodeau has really challenged thomas 
Nice. Love hearing that. And we're at least getting closer in IDP leagues to actually yeah. weighing things properly and letting a right? guy like that be more valuable. Yeah. They need to reweigh the scoring system. I felt that for a while in IDP. For sure. We're trying. We're trying, but it's yeah. slow. It, I mean, it doesn't get enough focus overall, so it's harder right. to, to fix those issues on a larger scale, but we're trying. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Schneier NFL. He hosts the Big Blue Banter Giants podcast. Dan, tell people what to look for from you and, you know, where best to find you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. You can look for me on Twitter at, like 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 was just mentioned, Dan Schneier NFL, and also the Big Blue Banter Podcast. You can find that anywhere, iTunes, Spotify. And then follow us over at CBS Sports Fantasy. Uh, I'm on the FFT show now, the Fantasy Football Today, great show. We're also doing something important that I want to put out there now, as long as you guys give me the opportunity. We are doing something called the Draftathon. It's an annual fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Hospital, and that will be August 31st. It's a six-hour fantasy live stream where we're doing, bringing on a ton of guests from the industry, talking fantasy, taking your last-minute questions, everything like that. But more importantly, trying to raise money for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So if you'd like to donate or you'd like to get involved, check out cbssports.com slash fantasy. Check out the FFT podcast. We'll be advertising this. Or just simply find me on Twitter and DM me, and I can help you get involved. So I really would appreciate that from everyone. Awesome. Awesome event. Awesome cause. Definitely check that out. We'll certainly be checking that out. Dan, thanks very much for joining us and sharing all your insight today. Thanks for having me on. It was a great time. You can find every episode of this Team Insider series on DraftSharks.com, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. We encourage you to come check it out. And we appreciate you for watching this and checking out all of our podcasts. Become a DS Insider to take advantage of all of the content we put out there. For our guest, Dan Schneier, for Jared Smola and the entire DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schaus saying thanks so much for swimming with us.